I, I can't wait to come back to this region. I would, I never even knew about it. Um, it's again, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And now I've, because I've raced with two fairly local people, I now have what I feel is family here. Welcome to the Dark Zone Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatins. Today's episode, recorded October 2021, is with Richard Sparks. Richard recently competed as a member of Team MRC, Mac Parkman Foundation, at the Adventure Racing World Championships held in Acaruna, Spain. You will quickly learn that Richard's experience was exciting and not exciting and challenging and fun and not fun and ultimately rewarding. For those who are new to adventure racing, you will find the entire adventure racing experience wrapped up inside Richard's experience during the race. So sit back and relax and enjoy the dark zone. Folks who are listening at home who, who have not followed along with Worlds, can you talk mm-hmm. a bit about the logistical structure of the race, uh, the size of the course, the trend, the, the legs, recognizing, yeah. by the way, that this was a massive, almost week-long race for a lot of people. So it's tough to capture in a few sentences, but talk a bit about the course. Yeah, for sure. So the, the macro view, uh, it's basically a 600-kilometer course, um, and really the uh, – like, you know, the, the meat of the course to me was the first leg. It's 76 miles. You have nearly 18,000 feet of elevation gain, which is, uh, you know, quite a bit to start out with. And that was and on your feet or on a bicycle? That was on your feet. So, so let's, yeah. let's roll, let's roll back a bit. So the first, mm-hmm. the first beginning part of, of worlds was a 76 mile trek. Yeah. So you basically have three back to back to back marathons with uh, just over 18,000 feet of elevation gain. And, um, and that's just the very first leg. <laughs> so it's uh, we, for me personally, I, I broke the race up into three different uh, races. Uh, the first race was the first leg. Uh, the second race was the, uh, after that you had the kayak section or I'm sorry, you had the mountain bike section and then the kayak section. And uh, if you were one of the ones lucky enough to make it past the kayak uh, and have a prepaid hotel for you, uh, you could stay there for six hours and get some food, shower and sleep. And then uh, after that, you start out on another monster mountain bike leg, um, which I think was 210 kilometers. So roughly around a hundred ish miles. Um, and then if you made it through that, you got, um, you did another trek. <laughs> so that, that was, a, that was 40 miles or 65 kilometer trek with a, uh, with a very small break in the middle, a, a, a paltry 11 kilometer, um, kayak. And then uh, to finalize everything at the last leg of the race was a 35 kilometer or roughly 21 mile uh, trek to the finish. So heavy on the trekking. Um, And uh, I think the key to this race was uh, a lot of foot care and um, yeah, just making sure you're, you're dispersing weight amongst your teammates so, um, but yeah, in general, that's the kind of like the overview of the course. Um, so where was the race held? Uh, in Acruña, Spain. 
which is in uh, the northwest portion of Spain. And the general region is uh, the Galatian region, which personally for me has been the most beautiful region I've ever seen in my life. Um, I, I haven't, you know, I backpacked through parts of Africa, obviously Scotland with uh, Atera, and I've been out west quite a bit, but um, just the picturesque old European Spanish um you know, villas that we passed through. Uh, it, yeah, I just felt like I was stepping back in time while riding a very modern mountain bike. <laughs> was, was it a was it a very remote race? Like sometimes in racing, you you, you yeah. head out into the mountains and you don't see another soul for ages. And sometimes you do these races and you pass through these mm-hmm. towns. It sounds like it was the latter for this race. Yeah. So, well, here's the irony. We, we passed through a, a bunch of small towns, but due to modernity, a lot of the families that, you know, built these small villages and basically uh, thrived on them through agriculture, uh, you know, that's all changed with the, the modern day. Like the younger generation has moved to the city. So you see, you pass through these towns and we're like, how many people do you think actually live here? And it's probably only like five but it could easily house like 500 to a thousand people. Um, so yeah, it, it had the sense of abandonment. Um, but unlike asphalt, the, the stones that were placed into the ground are so almost seemingly impermeable that uh, nature wasn't able to like reclaim those towns just yet. It's, yeah, and, and that's what adventure racing does, right? It takes us into these places that we wouldn't see otherwise, and we travel yeah. across them by our, our, our own power. And it's this was a, a, a monster world. Um, from my understanding, yeah. like the distances and the expectations were, were were quite high. And I think part of it was yeah. a beautiful place to race across. And much like the rest mm-hmm. of the world, we the, the world was a post-COVID experience. And therefore, there was a sense of joy what was the what was the feeling at the start like how many teams did you see there how international did it feel i mean the world's was oh yeah world was had a challenge the last several years so was this like a a re-entry back into the race well yeah so um you know covid was very uh uh, the the interesting thing about spain is covid was very uh it wasn't in the background at all it was it was really noted that everyone in spain uh, I mean, rarely did you see a person not wearing a mask in public um, and uh, not just indoors, but outdoors as well. So unlike the States where it seems like mask usage is very uh, um, here or there, it's everyone seems to have their own um, like rules and regulations. In Spain, it just seemed like the culture itself um, was very aware of COVID and, uh, as a society and a culture, their sense of sharing and being part of a community, uh, was like accepting that, okay, to protect each other, this is the right thing to do. And, um, so yeah, that was all throughout, all throughout Spain. Gotcha. So, the, uh, the idea being that, yeah. that not only do I want to be healthy, but I want you to be healthy. So therefore, I'm going to make this decision personally because it keeps me safe and it keeps you safe. Yeah, exactly. It's a very communal um, sense of awareness, and um, uh, just that's how they they've conducted themselves ever since I've been here. So, 
uh, it was rare to see anyone not wearing a mask. So again, COVID is very like, um, I don't want to say like in your face, but it's very present here. Gotcha. It's, 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 living, it's living in the background. It's, it's still there. It's still present. It's not code red, but it's still obvious and yeah. aware. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you walk out to, on the street and uh, nearly everyone is wearing a mask. So, um, and the race organization, they did a great job with that. Uh, I, I thought this was kind of interesting that we had to take an antigen test um, in order to race, even though if the race didn't exist, I could still fly into Spain uh, with being vaccinated. Um and I could, I could just by virtue of being vaccinated, I could go about my business and, you know, be a tourist. Right. But, uh, to enter the race or to race the race, you had to take an antigen test. And I think that's, so a, that's I, a good thing for, for, for the race directors who are listening to this podcast to keep in mind, yeah. it sends a nice message to, to our host communities, regardless of what it mm-hmm. is, whether it be a medical issue, whether it be, um, logistical, that when we clearly extend ourselves for the benefit of the local community, it engenders goodwill, it engenders feelings of positivity about us and about the sport. I yeah. bet you probably had a hero's welcome. The entire, they must have loved you, the entire, all the racers and all the teams. I think there was a parade beforehand where we went through the town and all of that. There must mm-hmm. have been a lot of energy prior to the race starting. Yeah, definitely. You know, the parade of flags. So, so personally for me, this is my uh, second ARWS um, events, but my first ARWC race and the parade of flags was just, uh, I mean, it was just great to be around so many different cultures and to be a part of a common theme, um, especially sometimes in the world where things can be divisive. Um, I, that's what I love about our community is that everyone has a common purpose and they can experience this with joy. And it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what country you're from. Uh, nearly everyone has a smile on their face. And that that speaks um, beyond words. Gotcha. And the other part of it, too, and we think a lot about this in adventure racing, to be part of a community is important to all of us. And I would oh, yeah. assume that being at the ARWC, at the World Championships, is that feeling on steroids. The fact that the you are... Not only are you coming together as adventure racers, but as citizens of the world coming to a beautiful spot to take on a massive challenge. Um, it sounds like that was the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, also just being from the United States, like, you know, I've, I've traveled abroad before and um, sometimes the U.S. is not like when you speak with locals, uh, they're like, oh, you're, you're American. And uh, they have like certain distinct interpretations of like who you are as just being American. And so I always try to spread that, um, you know, there's both positive and negative uh, people in this world, and uh, I'm going to represent the country in, in a positive light. Yeah, I had the same feeling. We were down in, a, in Ecuador, and we were in pretty rural parts of the country. And yeah. when I was talking with my teammates in Ecuador, I was talking out loud about how I may be the only America that these Ecuadorians have the opportunity to meet, right? And yeah. not the only American, the only America. And so the mm-hmm. way that I conduct myself, the manner through which I, you know, how I interact, how I act, how I behave, says a lot about my country and who I am as a person. And I think that that, that yeah. was very obvious at the at the, at the World Championships, that uh, everybody was, was quote unquote, on their best behavior from all the different countries, right? Because we, we take a lot yeah. of pride in racing and who we are. Um, mm-hmm. How many maps were distributed for the race? 
Uh, so I believe there was 51 maps. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So uh, I'm not, I, at first, for I thought those of sitting at home, no need to rewind. He said 51 maps were distributed for the race. Yeah, so here's a little caveat with that. So uh, at first, when we ordered, um, you know, it, there was an opportunity to uh, get a second set of maps, which most I think most teams would agree is like a smart move to get like two sets of maps because you can if you lose one or if you have a backup navigator and you guys are working together, it's like you can thumb the route together, right? But when you get this stack of paper there, it's like, oh my God, this is two extra pounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's waterproof and weighs a ton. Yeah. Yeah. 50, yeah, and you have to maps. carry it all on the first leg. Right. Yeah, you don't get the maps during so the because, race. You're handed yeah, it right yeah, away. Yeah. Yeah, so for those people that uh, may not be familiar with uh, some of the ARWC style, uh, we got our maps basically an hour um, beforehand. Although originally in the logistics, we were supposed to get it the night before. But personally, I think that was better because it puts everyone on the same page. Um, because then you're away from your electronic devices. No one's getting an edge from overnight mapping information. You get the maps an hour ahead of time. And the only thing you have time for is uh, a little bit of route choice and, and highlighting your route. So, so there's no competitive edge uh, based off of your cellular service that you have the night before. Gotcha. And the, and the race was linear, correct? You were, you were bused to a star line and you had to race your way back to the finish. Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was about, um, I think it was like a two and a half hour bus ride. So and um, what was the what was the, the the window of the race? What was the how soon was the earliest winner going to come in the earliest racer? And how what was the end of the course? How many days later were they closing it? Yeah, so uh, it was basically a week long um, from from uh, from the course being open to close. And I think they predicted that the fastest time would be just around four days. And uh, obviously, teams were coming in uh, at a week, uh, seven days later, basically, um, to make sure they were like officially finished. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Because as with any race, um, and I don't, I, and on the top of your head, how many teams total raced? Uh, I think they said there were 94 teams total, but, um, that could be like one or two teams off. So gotcha. Gotcha. So it's almost a hundred teams met in Spain, yeah. 51 maps each, and then yeah. boom, like you, you've done a really nice job explaining the, the, the breadth mm -hmm. and the language of, of, the, of the course and how hard it was. Um, mm -hmm. And as with any race, and this is for those who are new to adventure racing, is that everybody starts at the exact same time, the exact same spot. Yeah. Nobody finishes at the exact same time. And it was, mm -hmm. and clearly there's these 94 teams had a breadth of experience across the entire race course. And there were the elite teams at the front. There were the winners, folks who came in. Um, who obviously mm -hmm. ran the entire course. They made all the cutoffs and, you know, a cutoff yep. is you have to get to a certain point by a certain time. Otherwise your course has changed. And there were teams mm -hmm. that made the cutoffs and kept going. There were teams that finished in total, right? The, the four people who began the race with the four people who finished the race. Yep. Um, some folks were, were transported ahead in the race. There was a whole, this whole experience of venture racing that when you, when the race begins, and this is what makes it mm -hmm. exciting for, for you, the racer, and I'm sure for the race director gives them, gives them chest pains. The idea that you <laughs> yes. now have to figure the out logistics, right? all of these logistics <laughs> along the way. Um, yeah. So, so what was your team name and who did you race with? Uh, 
So uh, our team name was uh, um, MRC, the Mountain Race Company, um, which is owned by Shane Hagerman. He was the captain of our team. And um, we also raced for the Mac Parkman Foundation. And uh, Mac Parkman is uh, a young man who suffered from sub-concussive um, you know, injuries to the head over multiple times of playing football. And, um, and unfortunately that led to him, uh, uh, committing suicide. So, uh, our goal, one of our goals was to create awareness for these subconcussive injuries that can, you know, develop over time and, uh, that can lead to depression, anxiety, and just, uh, all sorts of mental health issues. So we wanted to bring awareness that if you start seeing signs of that, um, you know, sports can actually be the, uh, uh, the culprit for it. So if you adjust your training programs or even vocalize to your coach, like, Hey, I'm having these feelings. Um, it's not just that you're going through like a bad time at the moment. It could be something that is physically manifesting, um, and in mental health issues. So, so, so credit, credit to you and, and adventure yeah. racing, offers a spotlight. And so credit to you and to your team for making it a point to use your, your platform, your megaphone, yeah. if you will, to bring attention to that. And so, so thank you for doing mm -hmm. that. And thank you for, yeah, obviously that, that foundation, I'm sure values your, 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 your advocacy. And I'm sure yeah. that the event race community, because we do want to represent ourselves to the world as responsible citizens. And so credit to you on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just to kind of elaborate on that, just to, mm -hmm. for another moment, you sure. know, mental health is, is to me, uh, probably more important than physical health uh, because it guides us in so many aspects of our life. And, um, and, you know, I've, I've been depressed before I've had anxiety before. And fortunately I've, I've sought therapy, which has given me the tools to manage, uh, you know, those feelings of anxiousness and depression. And now I carry those tools with me on any adventure racing course, which, I was able to leverage uh, during this race multiple times. And, um, and I just encourage anyone that is experiencing those, those feelings of depression or anxiety or any mental health that it's okay to speak up and, and reach out for help. So. Well, and, and to that point there, I think the, and, and I, I appreciate your, 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 your races, your race teams advocacy, as well as your personal advocacy, mm -hmm. the idea that anybody yeah. who walks around and says that they're fine all the time, don't worry about me, don't worry about me, is, yeah. is lying they're, they're the, they're themselves the real into the crazy world. people. Right, right. They're lying themselves <laughs> yeah. into the world. Um, right. the, uh, the, the, the comedian Bill Burr has a very funny line when he <laughs> talks about um, um, shove it down, shove it down, pretend you have answers. Right, push it down inside, and to, and, and to your point yeah. about that, the fact that you're, you're you're vocal about your personal journey that way is empowering mm -hmm. to to those of us who who have our own journeys to travel, and you know, and yeah. I could certainly relate to the idea that there's been times in my life when there have been situations that I've had to deal with, that if not for the help of of, of outside help, you know, either whether professionals oh, yeah. or or people I know informally to help me navigate manage my own challenges too, and I think yeah. when we we talk about this conversation about the race that I, I think we both agree, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, that we hope that somebody awesome. takes away from this the idea that everybody goes through a hard time at some time and that there's no shame mm -hmm. in talking to the experts about it. Um, yeah. I always use the idea like that if I had some sort of physical ailment, if I had a physical thing on my body that needed to be treated by a doctor, 
I would go see a doctor. Yeah. And we should extend that same belief to our internal lives, the way that we see ourselves, our social, our emotional lives. Absolutely. But you know, I, I would even extend it to the actual training of adventure racing. Mm-hmm. Um, because just jumping back to the word tool, like mm-hmm. I literally use my um, therapy as a tool for mental preparedness and also dealing with uh, adversity on the course. So it's not just me hammering out a bike ride every week. It, you know, it's also me thinking about how am I going to interact with my teammates in a positive way. Um, so it's, I, I actively incorporate the tools that I've learned through therapy into my adventure race experience. And I would encourage other people to do so as well. Very nice. And the, uh, you know, it's so funny too, because not only do you incorporate the tools of your therapy, but sometimes we have to go for therapy after our adventure races. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> you, you get new tools. Yeah. Exactly. Just right? run around, you learn something new. Um, yep. so, so, so here you are now, you, you have your teammates. Uh, and who were your other two mm-hmm. teammates, by the way? You mentioned Shane and who else did you yeah. have there? Yeah, I think um, many people know Shane Hagerman and, and the Adventure Racing Committee. He's pretty prominent. Um, uh, Katie Farrington, who uh, resides in Colorado, um, and James Gallopu, uh, who resides in British Columbia, Very in nice. Canada. So, and they're, and they're, so now all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're you're at the start line. You have your fifty one. 51, two pounds worth of maps and, and off we go. Um, walk, yeah. walk, walk us a bit through your race experience. Walk us a bit about through the, you, you yeah. and I talked previously before the podcast about your race being mm-hmm. broken into two halves. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so now all of a sudden, like, you know, the race begins and off we go. Take it away. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> oh man, well, uh, we, we admittedly, we missed the start. Um, and personally, I was okay with that because, uh, you know, like you have bodily functions that, uh, you know, occur exactly. and it's better to basically go to the bathroom, you know, in a suitable facility than to start a race. And then five minutes later, you're uh, going to the bathroom on someone's cafe doorstep. So, um, and, you know, keep in mind, it's a seven day race, right? Like, so, um, after uh, we all took care of our human needs, <laughs> about a few minutes later, we uh, passed through the start line, and um, which I have no problem being in the back of the pack to begin with, because I love the idea of like hunting down teams. Like I, I kind of like thrive on that, and um, so we're kind of pushing like a heavy pace, and then uh, you know it became clear pretty quickly that we needed to distribute weight uh, amongst the team members and you know, that's fine. So we did that. And, uh, then, yeah, then we just started pecking away teams. And I think we moved from basically dead last to kind of around like the mid seventies, uh, fairly quickly. And, um, yeah, I would say around hour 12, that's when it's getting into, you know, the nighttime because the race started at noon and we in the forecast we knew the weather was going to change and sure enough like that's when it started started raining started getting a little bit more windy um we had a little bit of navigational issues and some of the some of the route choice was um was not optimal so we had some bushwhacking to do 
Um, but so, I would so, say, so if I could pause you there real quickly, it's interesting. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. You, you just ticked off pretty quickly a lot of, so it sounds like a lot of challenges cascaded down upon your team and other teams right away. Noon, yeah. A noon start, yeah. all of a sudden it's midnight, you're 12 hours in, you're going yeah. into a, a, up to a seven day race. The weather's mm. turned against you a little bit. You have a sleep yeah. strategy to worry about. You have a food strategy to worry about. You have yeah. a, a navigational strategy. And so also, also a caffeine strategy, a, a caffeine so. strategy, right? So now all of a sudden, yeah. And this is and this is the gets to the Harvard Venture Racing is that one thing that our sport requires us to do is to manage all of those challenges simultaneously yeah. with our internal voice and with the needs of our rest of our teammates. And I and yeah, I yeah. wanted to pause you there real quickly because mm-hmm. if you race a lot, we tend to kind of brush past that. The fact that all of those mm-hmm. things cascade, I use that word on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Down on top of us. Now, all of a sudden, you're 12 hours in. Maps are a little upside down. You're working through everything. It mm-hmm. feels like it was a little bit of an early crux point in the race for you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is the first time we all raced together. So, um, like, it was, uh, there's a lot of like feeling each other out and like trying to balance out, like, okay, who's strong in what area and, you know, where can we uh, support each other in other areas? And, uh, fortunately before the race, uh, James did what I think every adventure racing team should do is he sent out a questionnaire to each of us to basically highlight our goals, what our strengths are, what experiences were negative in other races, what experiences were positive, uh, what happens to you when you start to feel sleep deprivation, um, how do you feel like you can improve? So we kind of had a sense of like each other and how we race beforehand. And um, I, I thought that was really key for us later on in how we uh, kind of dealt with each other and some of the differences that we came across. So, Very um, nice. but yeah, you know, keep in mind like uh, 12 hours into the race, we've already been up for six hours. So really uh, we're going on onto the verge of beyond a natural sleep cycle. So we're 18 hours into this and um, in terms of, of, of awakeness, Mm-hmm. So, uh, at midnight, you know, when most people are, you know, turning off Netflix and going to bed, we're pressing up through this thorny bush, bushwhack, right, right. <laughs> trying to get on top of a ridge and, so, and look and looking multiple days of racing in the face. Right. So there's the, there's yeah, the yeah. at moment management, there's the future management. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my personal race, uh, strategy is always, like racing against the course. Um, like if you stop a lot and if you're taking too much time, you know, if you stop for two minutes, 30 times, you know, that's another hour that you just lost yep. when you could be moving and sharing packs. And it's just, um, I mean, that's, that's my personal race style. So. And that's, uh, that's a very common piece of advice that I, I've heard. Uh, Nathan Fade, yeah. who is the, is the, the Michael Jordan, if you have adventure racing talks a lot about how yeah. his team never stops. And he tells the famous story about, someone's yep. shoe broke and like they mm-hmm. took the shoe off, handed it to one person and they kept walking while somebody else fixed it, put the shoe back yeah. on. And they never, they never, they never lost a second there. And the other thing too, like mm-hmm. in transitions, because as you know, in adventure racing, we get to transition areas where we have access to our bins and to our food and things like that. And yeah. in transition, try to touch everything once, right? Try not oh, yeah. to be all yeah. over the place. And so time is the, the way that way that you manage time is very, very important because it just begins to bleed away from you. Right. And yeah, every, yeah. every moment you stop and talk is the last time you have to race. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, that's my personal race style. It's like, that's one reason why you have teammates is to hand the pack over to them so you can access that zipper. Uh, so you can pull out your raincoat and it's just like a carousel where it's like, okay, I'm done now. Let's get you going. Um, you know, let's get some food out of your pack that you may not have easily been able to access. And, but whatever you do, just don't stop moving. So um, we had a little bit of challenge with that where we were stopping a little bit too much, but once we addressed it, uh, we all pretty much pressed forward. So um, I was personally so, pleased with that. So that part. was the opening trick. So that was the monster trek to begin uh, the race. Yeah. And now keep in mind, we're only like 20, 20 ish miles into this thing. And, um, you know, then the weather really started turning and we had a huge monster climb to, uh, to a peak. And, uh, I mean, there, there were times where the wind was like, you know, I mean, I weigh about 180 ish pounds and like, I'm actually leaning into the wind for just a brief moment. I'm like, and then, and it's like a thick rain too. So yeah, you I heard, know, that, I heard that, the videos I saw, it was a wet soaking cold and it was cold too, I believe. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah, too yeah. warm. Yeah, it was very cold. Uh, I mean, there were a few times where Shane and I stopped to like uh, review the route and James just uh, was holding Katie just to make sure that, you know, she stayed warm. So um, we eventually outfitted her in a, uh, a bivy burrito. So we, <laughs> we cut the bivy open just to make sure that we could slip her into that. And mm -hmm. all three of us worked uh, to make sure that you know, wow, that's she, pretty intense. This is the first beginning part of the race, and already you're doing that kind of thermal management. You're doing that kind of equipment management navigationally. That's a rough start yeah. to the race. Oh yeah, man. I mean, it, it was it was the uh, I I think it was I think everything after the race was very manageable, or after the first leg was very manageable. But um, really, the crux of the race was if you can make it through that first leg as a complete team. Um, you know, you had a chance of doing very well. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, so how did the trek finish up for you? Did it, did it improve from there? Did the weather come in when, when daylight came, did spirits go up or did it keep being a challenge? Yeah. It, well, it was interesting because uh, once the sun rose, uh, you know, we had, we had descended into a valley area and um, we all just, the rain had kind of passed, but we were soaking wet. So uh, we all stripped down nearly butt naked to uh put on a second kit of clothes um which for your listeners that that may not seem like you want to race it's it's like if you want to race in one set of clothes for 76 miles in a in, in a you know over the course of 24 hours where you're getting poured on you might consider bringing a second kit to change exactly it to. yes 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 yeah. So once we uh, all stripped, it was interesting because we're like basically nearly naked and it's like, oh, hey, the air's not that bad, but our clothes were so soaked that it was shaking us to the bone. So once we uh, put on our dry clothes and kind of reset our, our racing kit, um, we all warmed up pretty quickly and, and then we were okay after that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so gotcha. that's coming up on, that's around 8 a.m. Uh, the next morning. Gotcha. So, so now you're going, you're 20 hours of racing at that point. Uh, and, yes. And you've been awake for probably 26 hours by that point. Yeah. 26. So, gotcha. so, and we were not even halfway through at that the first, point, the first track. Yeah. The first track. So, um, Shane 
started having uh, some some back issues. And so th there was a, a kind of a shift from our mental um, goals, I guess, if you will, to uh, just making sure that he was. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I think this is something important for your listeners is the ability to just dial back your expectations without uh, feeling hurt mm -hmm. or anger about it. Um, it. You know, once, once it became clear, like his back issues was not going to relieve itself because sometimes you have aches and pains, like your knee hurts or your ankle hurts. But if you press on for like another mile or so, it's like, Oh, Hey, that kind of worked itself out. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It became clear that this was not working itself out, but was getting progressively worse. So, um, I mean, personally for me, I was like, okay, I'm no longer in competing mode. I'm in make sure Shane gets to a TA so he can receive medical attention mode. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, fortunately James and I were able to really, uh, carry his pack often and tow him every now and then. And just, uh, uh, you know, James had some painkillers, which really helped out. So, um, and it was very obvious when the painkillers would wear off. But sometimes you get out there and things just begin to disassemble. And to your point, you you make a valid uh, case for the fact that sometimes you go from being a racer to being a traveler, right? And you want to bring that you want to bring yeah. that person across to a, to a safety. And so and then and Shane has shared out loud on social media about his challenges too. And we hope that he's feeling better. Yeah. So you so you got Shane to a TA. So I guess at that point you kind of packed up your gear and went home and had a vacation on the beach, right? That's what you did. Oh, you quit. Yeah. You quit when when Shane got there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it just a vacation in Spain at that point. Exactly. <laughs> so here, wait. There's there's a little bit of time missing in this. Um, it took us 48 hours to do that trek. So um, I, I just want to hold that number um, in the air for a moment uh, to do 76 miles. So if you, it took us literally two days we had been up for 54 hours and um and, you know we didn't we hadn't slept yet so right when we got to the ta uh we got shane to lay down and um then at this point uh we all had a talk as a team of like you know what do we want out of this race experience because it was clear that we we're shane wouldn't be able to go on and uh uh we all talked about it. James and I wanted to continue racing and, um, uh, Katie was kind of, you know, she's very competitive and, uh, she's like, I wanted to be official. She was able to stay back and take care of Shane. Uh, cause she has, um, uh, I think her practices in like physical, uh, I can't think of the terminology of her, um, medical practice, but she was able to tend to Shane and, and, um, then a whole series of unique events happened after that. <laughs> Good on Katie for making the decision to, to, to keep an eye on, on, on Shane and recognizing that guy she had yeah. the medical background to do that. Um, yeah. I've been in that same position too, with a, 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 an injured teammate. You want to keep an eye on them. Um, mm -hmm. and so, so thank you, Katie, for, for, for doing that. And then yeah. recognize you're not going to go official too is hard, is hard. And that's challenging. And, you know, because to go official for, the, for those listening at home to go official means that the, the team that begins the race is the team that finishes the race. Right. But in adventure racing very often, and I, and I, a little bit of foreshadowing here for what's going to come next. It's mm -hmm. not uncommon in the larger races for 
groups of racers that when teams begin to splinter due to medical reasons and other reasons, when they begin to fall apart, very often various disparate groups begin to form new teams and continue on the course yes. together because it's an adventure. It's an expedition. So talk a right. bit about that. So now, are we getting into the second half of your race? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I basically had two races and that, that was, that was the end of the first race. <laughs> so, um, the, the second race really began when, um, James and I both agreed that we wanted to continue racing, you know, because we had spent all this time and preparation, uh, to come to Spain and to, to compete, but, uh, we couldn't continue on unless we had three people. So, uh, the race organization said that we can continue on if we find at least one more person. And <laughs> you're, in TA, you're in a TA looking around. Like all yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's basically like creating a dodgeball team, right? Exactly. So line them up folks, you know, let's see who we got. Right. That's awesome. So, yeah, what happened? so how'd, that, how'd that work out? Oh man. Well, that was a complete, uh, different change of events from the, the first race. So the, uh, there was a Spanish team that had lost two people as well. And uh, t- two guys were looking to race. And so James and I just went right over to them and they spoke very little English. We spoke very little Spanish, but <laughs> we somehow communicated that we both wanted to race. And uh, we just, you know, we just took a, it's a huge chance, right? Cause you, you don't know the, these guys' backgrounds. You don't know how good they are at mountain biking. And you didn't trekking. know them at all. You had never met them. Never met them at all, and probably would have never have met them. I, I can almost guarantee I've never have met them. So, so uh, first off, there's the, the beauty of adventure racing: the fact that we yeah. we throw ourselves into these amazing sliding door life experiences. Mm-hmm. So, let's yeah. recap for our listeners. So, the trek yeah. was the trek, seventy six miles, took you forty eight hours, forty eight hours, fifty four yeah. hours of being awake. Yeah. Your your team comes apart for various reasons medical being overwhelmingly the primary reason that why the the team separates you're in the ta james and richard are standing around looking for looking for for new partners (laughs) and then so what were their names so uh their names are isaac by the way now you you do know their names eventually right you did learn their names yeah 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 Yeah, uh isaac and uh josito but at the time uh he introduced himself as jose Josita. So. Okay. Okay. Jose. So Isaac yep. and Josita. Now, do you know their original team who they were with? Um, not until much later. Um, but their original team was Cornelius. Okay. So, um, yep. <laughs> okay. So now, so now you're, you, 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 you now have, you know, have new, new, new partners and then you yep. still have, by the way, you still have <clears throat> five days of racing possibly ahead of you. You still have yep. five stages ahead of you. Clearly, yeah. there's, uh, and for the listeners at home, short coursing is when if racers don't get to a certain point in the race by a certain time, they're not, the race isn't over. They're usually transported to a different part of the race mm-hmm. course. Sometimes they're brought around. Were you up yeah. against timelines, short coursing? Like, walk us through the second half of your race. Yeah. So the second half of the race uh, began, um, you know, we were basically, we, we had a choice to, I, we, we knew there was no way that we could do the kayak and get the cutoff Got it. or be, beat the cutoff. So, but we talked to the race organization and we said, you know, we would like to get the checkpoints for the short course. And we think we can do the mountain bike leg and still be back in, at this TA in time to be shuttled forward 
uh, to where the 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 uh, short course began again. So, uh, but we told them we're like, hey, we haven't slept. Like, we need to sleep for at least like an hour. And uh, so James and I slept for an hour and um, two thirty on let's see that would be monday rolled around yeah on monday um 2 30 p.m and we departed that ta on the mountain bike leg and the cool thing is it became very clear very quickly that we were equally matched uh, on the mountain bike good so i was like wow like we could actually we might actually have some like really strong teammates here and you know that it's a it's a 50 mile mountain bike leg um with about six thousand feet of elevation gain and i you know i pride myself on my mountain biking and they were able to keep up so um uh we kind of had a little bit of feeling out for who was going to navigate and um i corrected isaac on a few uh, mistakes and then I, I just kind of took over the, the lead nav but the thing is that we were moving very quickly and um and we were having a good time doing it so well now, now it's a whole different world now now the yeah the well first thing first what had the weather turned in your direction uh it was still fairly cold uh because we were basically at the montevics um but uh it was it was dry Gotcha. Gotcha. And, so cold, cold uh, and dry, we can do right. Cold and wet is really hard. Yeah, exactly. And it, it only kind of, uh, kind of rained just a little bit throughout the, the mountain bike, but, um, you know, again, we were moving very quickly and, and, uh, I was, I was personally pleased with that. Cause that, that's, I usually like to move fast the whole race and then, um, slog it out for the last, day or so <laughs> gotcha 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 and what was the terrain like for the mountain bike was it single track was it road was it gravel fire road yeah uh i would say a lot of it would be equivalent to fire road but for spain it would be like main roads gotcha um yeah you get to these things on the map and you're like wait that's um that's the road okay so like typically on the maps um in the u.s if you see like a a dotted black trail mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um you think like a two track right but right. um or or like a wide single track but for out in spain i mean these are actually like legitimate roads that uh, are rocky and rough and um probably thousands of years old mm -hmm, mm -hmm from mm -hmm. uh horse and carriage you know gotcha and they're just and just they're embedded into the ground and so it's the and so that was yeah. your main course of travel so so now mm -hmm. things are looking up right you you're the navigation starting yeah. to check in you have your you have your two new teammates you're rolling along mm -hmm. and there's nothing quite like checking off hitting, hitting the checkpoints getting that little dopamine oh, yeah. rush feeling good about yourself yeah so that was good and so so walk with us so mm -hmm. keep going through the mountain bike yeah, so the mountain bike. Uh, then we um, we we got to another checkpoint where you had to take a photo of. Uh, oh, was this the castle? Uh, yeah, this was the castle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. um, fortunately, James and I we did our research ahead of time, and we knew right where it was um, because it, it's a it's a very expansive complex. And uh, I was like, look, it's on the southwest side, um, you know, of the castle where we have to take find this door. 
So uh, <laughs> literally we pull into town and, and there's just a, a, a guy walking to a cafe and I was like, Hey amigo, um, uh, Rue de Grande. <laughs> and unfortunately, Isaac and Josito were like, what are you trying to say to this guy? And I was like, <laughs> ask him where <laughs> Rue de Grande is. And fortunately the guy just pointed like right over there and, and um, that that was like our end to the uh, to the castle. So <laughs> great, so beautiful. <laughs> because you know my Spanish, right? <laughs> of course, exactly. Which it's yeah, I can I can relate from being in Ecuador. I know what you're talking about. So like yeah. So, so you're so you're getting a full buffet of the adventure racing experience. Now you're on these roads. You're coming across yeah. castles. You're taking photos. Yeah. Feeling good. And so so the so you took the photo of the castle. And then mm-hmm. what was next for you guys? Well, yeah. So um, you know. It, in addition to all that, through, through our experience, keep in mind, like, they speak very little English. We speak very little Spanish. But between James and Isaac, they were able to parse intentions. And uh, I I just asked, like, hey, what's, what is Spanish for right? What is Spanish for left? Gotcha. And... <laughs> So now like I'm start, starting to speak in their language so that everything's clear with them. Uh, and they're starting to speak in our language. Um, <laughs> which, you have to wonder if there's a, if there's a, a lesson to be learned here that being, being unable mm-hmm. to talk to your teammates makes for a better race experience. Cause it was yeah. all, it was all go, go, go. There was no, there's no chatting going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was very, it was all go, go. It was very fast paced. Uh, I mean, we did the mountain bike leg in nine and a half hours. And I think the race organization built the fastest team at eight and a half hours. So if you think about it, we're like three days into this, um, you know, for a team that's never raced together. Like I, I was pretty pleased with that and, and they were too. So that was like, uh, that was good to, to experience that. Sure. That'd be great for both, both sets of teams coming in. Nothing beats, nothing beats being ahead of expectations. And then finally, yeah. and after, and it sounds like the trek for all of its challenges with, with, with Shane's medical and getting him across mm-hmm. the finish line, it must've been rejuvenating yeah. for you to have that experience on the mountain bike. Yeah, it, it was because, um, you know, the, the thing that, uh, I've learned in adventure racing is you have, you hit, re- you have to hit reset, mm-hmm. uh, through, uh, when you experience adversity. If you don't hit reset and you start carrying that baggage on you, it's just like adding extra weight to your pack. It's like unnecessary. So uh, any of the any of the trouble that we experienced on the first trek was non-existent to me on the the second part of our race. Um, and again, I think that goes back to like the mental health issues, where it's like you need to hit reset so that you can, you know, reset your mindset. Gotcha. You're gonna you, we're gonna put this over there for the time being. We're gonna hit the yeah. re, and the race the race begins again, and mm-hmm. and that is a, a partner uh, observation which goes along with the idea that no matter how you're feeling, it's gonna pass. That if yeah. you feel great during a race, well, eventually there's gonna be a valley, and if you're in a valley, there's gonna be a peak. And the trick is to try yeah. to regulate those moments in between each other, because mm-hmm. with a race of this breath, but you don't have to be racing for seven days to feel this way. At every point yeah. during a race you're going to feel a wide range of emotions. And so the idea is mm-hmm. to move through those range of emotions, to use those tools as you talked about, and then yeah. to your point, reset your race along the way. So it sounds like you had a hard reset to your race in that TA when you came across yeah. your two new teammates and then yeah. off we go. Yeah. Right. So now we're, so you're nine and a half hours in the mountain bikes. Now you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're high-fiving each other and you're transitioning from the mountain bike. What did you go to next? 
so the mountain bike, uh, we ended up at the TA and that was kind of like the holding, the holding pattern for the short course teams. Was that TA four? Uh, that would have been TA two. TA two. Okay. We, we got shuttled eventually to TA four. Gotcha. Um, yeah. The, where the short course began. Gotcha. Um, and that was when we they held, to- they held you guys there until the race leaders passed through. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, once we got, uh, through, once we got shuttled over to TA four, now keep in mind, this is the next day. Right. So this is at Tuesday at 10 AM. Um, so we had a chance to get up about like another two hours of sleep. Um, we're just waiting for the leaders to come around. And, um, now Isaac, Jose, James, and I are all wondering, okay, we killed that mountain bike leg. Uh, how, but how are we going to do on the trekking leg? <laughs> like, cause it's a different discipline mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, uh, you can be a strong mountain biker, but a pair, very poor runner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So much, much harder uh, on the feet, much harder on the body. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, your feet are already beat up from like 76 miles of trekking. So, um, uh, I think it became very clear again. It's like, okay, we might actually have a strong running team here. And so comparatively, uh, once the five leaders came through, uh, we were able to restart our race at 10 PM on Tuesday. So we're at TA four. We're starting the, the next three stages of this race. And the first of those three stages is a 65 kilometer trek. So another brutal 40 miles of stomping on your feet Mm -hmm. (laughs) with uh, nearly 9,000 feet of elevation gain. And right when the the gun went off per se, uh, we were like, you know, we were running, running. And I was like, Oh my God, like these guys aren't, these are my people. (laughs) Like like, we're going like, you're right out of, you're right out of the cannon. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, I was, a little worried because they didn't, they said they didn't need trekking poles and, yeah. um, but they also didn't need trekking poles for the first 76 miles. So I was pretty impressed with that. Um, and, uh, was it, was the trek, was the technical, was it mountainous and the 9,000 feet of gain is pretty burly. Yeah. Especially over, you know, 40 miles. I mean, that's a, that's a hefty chunk of elevation gain over that, that distance, which is nearly, it's basically like the first leg of the race cut in half. So um, just, just to compare that, we, uh, we did that leg in 12 and a half hours. So if you think about the first leg where it took us 48 hours over 76 miles, we did 40 miles in 12 and a half hours. Wow. So well, you guys yeah, are getting we, faster and faster. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I mean, um, and I, I think there's something to be said about that for uh, later on in the race. Uh, and James mentioned this, that your body heals itself, uh, you know, later on in the race. And yeah. I, pers- I personally felt that. Um, so my stride was coming back. Um, I had a little bit of foot pain, which James popped me in a leave. Mm-hmm. And a half hour later, like I was, it was almost as if nothing had ever happened. So, yeah. And the, and the expression in adventure racing is that if you make it through day three, it's, yeah. it's day one, day two, day three, then it's the finish. And clearly you were in this yeah. mode in the race where you had the success of the mountain bike. You had, you were moving well on the track. 
the, yeah. the, you, you kind of reawakened, you came back alive, and then your body physically kind of adjusted to what you were asking of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting how that works. Like you think everybody would just be dead and doing the zombie walk, but uh, no, man, we were we were full out running. I'd say probably sometimes eight minute miles. Wow! Um, wow! And we were being very strategic about it, so we were running on the flats, uh, trying to run the downhills, depending on how steep of the grade it was, mm-hmm. and uh, just power hiking on the uphills. So we, we ended up catching, um, uh, torpedo Viterad and, um, and Nyar, mm-hmm. uh, who were in and those, those, those were, those were full course teams. Yeah. Yeah. So they were in second and third place at the time and we ended up catching them. So, um, I mean, that was, <laughs> it was kind of funny. I, I was asking James, I was like, do you think we should joke with them when we pass them and tell them that we're full course team? Because <laughs> at this point, it's just headlights, right? They just see four headlights steamrolling up to them. <laughs> well, that must have bugged them out a little bit. Like the idea, like, who are these guys? Because we, remember, we are in a race. Yeah. You're in your own little bubble. And you have no, it's only you see a set of headlights. And you're trying to figure out who it is. Yeah, exactly. Next thing you know, so, okay. Okay, I'm sure you gave, you gave him a good scare, I'm sure, when you came around the corner. <laughs> yeah, Marcos's team, uh, uh, Torpedo Viterade, uh, they... They, um, I, I think they recognized us very quickly. Okay. But uh, Team Nyar, they saw us coming down <laughs> the trail because they were they were uh, descending toward the river. Uh, when they saw our headlamps, they were like falling asleep at the time. But then that completely like caffeinated them up, and they go. started Good job. running. You saved the us. race. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you, so, so you so you do the you do the uh, 65k trek in 12 and a half hours. Yeah. Um, and then what that, that led you back to the mountain bike? Yeah. And uh, no, 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 it didn't. It led us to the kayak, which kayak. was very important. Okay. So when we started at 10 p.m. on Tuesday, uh, I kind of was doing some math, and I I told our team I was like, look, we have to run hard to meet the tide. Cause I don't want to get stuck in high tide and then be paddling up basically the equivalent of upstream. We need to get there by, uh, preferably eight o'clock and, uh, we can be there no later than 11 o'clock AM the next day. Gotcha. So, uh, we met that goal and, uh, man, we smooth, we barely paddled once we got in the kayak cause the, the sea just sucked us out into the bay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, later on in the race, teams had a lot of trouble with that. A lot of folks yeah, when the I mean, tide went out, they were they were basically dragging their boats through the mud trying yeah, to get to yeah, the finish. Exactly. Yeah. So we had that conversation uh, 12 hours ago uh, when we started that. And um, and I just told them, I said, like, we're, we're going to have to run every chance we get. And uh, this is our deadline. So how, how did you know, how did you know the title times? Did you do? Did they tell uh, you? Yeah. Yeah, so um, that was published in the uh, the roadbook that the race organization gives you. Gotcha. Um, because they said that that area was really susceptible to uh, tide uh, influx. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so good on you. So you so you hit that that line. So all of a sudden, your the tide is your friend. It's pull, it's pulling you towards the, where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's uh, interesting when we caught up to uh, Nyar, um, uh team Nyar, Uh We were kind of running with them for a while and uh i i can't remember his name but he's the race director over there um 
he asked me about a route choice and he's like, Hey, which, which way are you going? And, and uh, he showed me his map and, and, and he's like, is this, is this, what do you think about this route? And I was like, Oh man, no way, dude. Like you got to stay low on the river. Like there's a road over there. Cause he didn't see a bridge. Right. And, um, I, I think that would have really impacted his race if he would have kept to his original route, but he was, a, their team was able to make the tide. And so, um, ultimately, uh, I think that helped get them third place, uh, overall. So huge. Huge holy cow, yeah, you saved the race. You're like an angel. Yeah. You're, a, you're a trail angel. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was kind of happy to help out with that. <laughs> yeah. And he so came up to us afterwards and we spoke about it and just kind of laughed. And that's great. This is a cool experience. Well, that's what happens. That's racing, right? We we work with other teams and we do all sorts of things like that. And you know, yeah. those those moments that you pass in the trail, next thing you know, you're helping somebody out. Yeah. Um, and so, and so it, it clearly, it, it feels like the energy that you picked up at the, at your second half of the race kept on rolling. Right. So you had the strong trek, mm-hmm. you had, the, you had yeah. the kayak with the tide, you made that, um, back mm-hmm. onto the mountain bike after that. Uh, no, back oh, onto another gracious. brutal trek. More trek there. This is, this is, this, this race should be charged with assault. <laughs> yeah. Assault to the foot. <laughs> so yeah, we basically trekked through the entirety of Spain. <laughs> right. You saw all of Spain, right? Exactly. By foot. Yep. And let's, let's, let's pause there real quickly, just to, mm-hmm. just to reflect on that, that statement you made there. One of the benefits of the sport that we do is that it brings us to places that we would never, we, we, you would never have seen those mm-hmm. places if not for adventure racing. Ever, ever. I, I can't wait to come back to this region. I would, I never even knew about it. Um, it's again one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, and now I've, because I've raced with two fairly local people, I now have what I feel is family here. Um, we've already talked about like you know visiting each other and uh, possibly racing again together. So that's the great. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it's not just about like we always want to be thoughtful about, it, especially as international racers, that we 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 take a moment. This is how I see it, right? And there's various ways of looking at it we should take moments where possible to recognize the fact that we have the, the honor and the privilege of being in these, in these countries that we'd not have seen otherwise. And we should try to soak in that experience, mm-hmm. which is a little counterintuitive because we are racing along the way. Right. So you have to balance right. those, those two things. But the yeah. fact that you just now, you got a crash course in, in, in Spanish geography and terrain <laughs> yes. and people, it's, ama- <laughs> it's an amazing feeling. Um, yeah. and so, so the race directors who clearly have it out for you guys, put you back on oh, yeah, your yeah. feet after the kayak. Yes. Yeah. By the way, a very short kayak, only 11 kilometers. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you only had an hour and a half basically of off your feet. Off your so, feet. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so now it's back onto a trek. How long was this trek? Uh, so that trek was about 21 miles. Uh, it's billed as 35 K. Um, and at first when i was looking at the maps i was like oh this shouldn't be too bad but there was so much steep up and down and then in and out of the coast um i mean it it just it kind of started wearing on us um but we still pressed forward and uh you know we're still having a good time so that was um you know always a good thing when your team is still in good spirits. Well, at this point now, you're beginning to smell the barn, 
right? You, you, yeah, you realize so you're, close. <laughs> right, you know, you're on the back half of the course. Clearly, yeah. you know, you're doing well, you have energy. How are you doing yeah. with your sleep, with your, your nutrition? Were you at the yeah. point in the race where all those things were pushed to the side because mentally and emotionally you were doing so well that you were just being pulled to the finish or were you finding yourself struggling with those areas? No, not at all. So there was, um, you know, we just kept pushing forward and, um, you know, we would run when we could and uh, just power hikes when it was basically like a steep uphill. So, I mean, we were still pushing the pace. And then then there came a moment where this beautiful vista just opened up. And I would say we're probably about, I would say like eight miles into this 21-mile um, trek. And uh, I just turned to the group and I said, do you guys want to stop for a moment? And in Spanish, Josito said, uh, well, someone had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so we all just, we all just, uh, which is the equivalent of like someone breaking the ice, right? <laughs> so we all just stopped and had like, uh, I'd say probably like a 10 minute little picnic. Um and just we're basking in this beautiful view of the northern Spain coast. Amazing, amazing. And then yeah. and the idea too is, and to, to your credit, to your team's credit, you're you're still moving at speed, recognizing that in the final standings, you're going to be in an odd mm-hmm. spot because you're this amalgamation of two teams coming together, and you're technically not official finishers. Yes, yeah. um, officials in air quotes for those sitting at home. So there's, yep. and so to your point, good on you for simultaneously uh, uh, racing the course but also yeah. knowing when to pause and catch your breath and look at the views. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because we all expressed to each other, we were very, uh, the, the term that Isaac used was, uh, he's like, I am hungry to race. And I was like, hell yeah, I am too, man. Like, let's do this. So, um, you know, was this, was this back in the transition when you were, when you were joining together as a team, did he, did he express uh, that sentiment there? No, he, he expressed it, um, kind of, uh, I think after the, after the mountain bike leg, um, because we were thrilled about it. We're, and so I I was like, yeah, I am too. Like, let's keep this momentum going when we start the short course the next day. And, um, and, and we did. So, so So such an interesting dynamic that is before we jump into the course that you, Mm -hmm. To, to, many, to many traditional competitors in various sports, when they realize that their ability to to succeed on paper as it's laid out is taken away from them, the desire to, to race, the hunger to race kind of goes away, right? The hunger to compete. Yeah. If I'm not going to get this, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And clearly what, what you and your teammates have, have grabbed onto, that the, the motivation to continue racing at that speed and that intensity was rather different from the way a lot of people would view that. Um, talk a bit more about that. Why did, why did you keep racing? Why didn't you stop? Yeah. Well, I mean, for, I think for James and I personally, it's a, you know, it's a huge investment, right. Of time and money, uh, to come out here. Um, but also, I don't know. I mean, personally for me, I, I have that like never, ever, ever give up attitude. And, um, Mm -hmm. I always like to, I mean, I find joy in racing hard mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I wanted to experience that joy in Spain. So this was an opportunity to do that. And, um, and to also like, just basically test myself and then to do it amongst three other extremely capable athletes was just, I was like, man, like we could totally 
we could be a formidable team like outside of this unofficial ranking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so part of me almost felt like, like, Hey, we're almost auditioning each other. Like how far, how fast and how far can we go? Right. Right. Which, which, <laughs> by the way, which, which once again is the, the, the beauty of the sport, you would just four random people thrown together at a TA after 54 hours of being awake. Yeah. Yeah. Here I you mean, are. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it was the craziest, but also the most beautiful uh, adventure racing experience I've ever had. And, um, you know, yeah, the first race didn't work out so well, but the second race, man, I mean, it was all worth it to me. So. Excellent. Uh, That's so great. Yeah. And it's, and it's great to have a chance. And thank you for, for being thoughtful and reflecting upon it during the podcast, the, the listeners yeah. and, and, and I, we appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. back to the racing, right? So you do your, yeah, yeah. your 21 mile trek, right? Now you're feeling mm-hmm. good. You have your little picnic. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. So, uh, we got about 12 more miles to go. And, uh, I would say another, once we started like another three or four miles, then the cool part of racing with the local team started popping up because all of their friends and family started following their tracker and now they had access to certain pathways that we were going to, and they were joining us on some of the trek. And so it was kind of thrilling to hear, you know, our, our Spain teammates, um, you know, just watching them converse with their friends and mm-hmm, family. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and then as we got closer to the city, I'd say probably about like eight miles to go to the finish. Okay. Um, uh, you know, Isaac's son, uh, was with us and, um, he had, he had stressed, uh, early on that, um, he wanted to know more English and he felt it was very important for his family to, uh, understand English. So, uh, I took that to heart and, um, I brought Aaron, his son over next to me and, um, and, uh, told Isaac, I was like, Hey, give him the map and, uh, he can follow along with us. So I don't know if that's against the rules or what, but I don't care. Cause we're officially unranked, yeah, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Take the throw on right. So, um, how, how old is Aaron? Uh, Aaron is nine years old. So, so you, so you pick up a fifth teammate, a nine year old. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, it was awesome to to uh, show him. And um, uh, Aaron doesn't know English, but uh, we were able to communicate. Um, like, hey, here's here's the map. Here's where we are. I want you to follow along with us. And periodically, I would stop and say, Aaron, where are we? That's great. And he would point. And sometimes he'd be right. Sometimes he wouldn't be right. But um, but then he actually started getting good. And I was like, man, he's actually following along pretty well. <laughs> And then, and so then, it's, so it sounds like this was just a, the, the victory march in, right? You're you you had come through the hard part. You had picked yeah. up Aaron, and it was just all about getting to the finish line at this point. I mean, how hard yeah. was the navigation? Yeah, the, the navigation wasn't hard. Uh, I did make one route choice that was kind of risky. Uh, it took us down to the coast, and I thought on the map it connected us, but there was about a five foot span between some slippery rocks that we could have swam. But uh, at this point. I just turned around to the team and said, look, let's just go back a little bit. It's yeah. not worth it. Um, yeah, that wet, that not, cold later on, it gets hard. Yeah. I mean, if I knew we were competing for the top of the podium, I 
would be right yeah, across we it. are we yes. are swimming and we are co-steering on these rocks yeah, get in the water we're yeah. going right yeah exactly we're gonna we're gonna go over to that sandy beach once we get over this but um at that point i was just like you know what we're having a great race right now let's not ruin it with a uh, potential danger so um yeah so we had about four miles to go and uh we just stopped at a local cafe because <laughs> we just <laughs> felt like it <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, so yeah, at, we, at this point it's safe to say that the eye of the tiger has gone out now it's about getting in and getting a bite to eat and just and there's yeah. that shift in a race where you yeah um if you're at the pointy end of the race and you're fighting for the for a podium spot or a final standing we would never imagine <laughs> to do that but at this point Ever, you were beginning never. to bask in because you knew the experience was gonna was gonna end up positive for you and so you were yeah. kind of taking as much out of the moment as possible yeah yeah exactly so we we had basically gone the distance of the of the first leg except on bike and um and trekking and paddling uh maybe it's just a little bit further but um actually nearly double but but anyways yeah the, the basking was like okay we're down in the city we have access to uh nutrition and um and they uh, the, the the spain team they wanted to stop and I was like, oh, yeah, let's just let's just grab a sandwich here. And they wanted to have some uh, coffee. So we were probably there for maybe about like 40 minutes or so. And then um, getting up again. And that's that's I would say even harder than stopping. Is getting uh, going again. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you're like start getting stiff and your yep. feet are swollen. Uh, and, and then we your, just, your body begins to go to post-race mode all of a sudden. Your body doesn't realize that you're still racing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in your mind, you know, the time's still sticking or right. ticking, but, uh, so as we start approaching to the finish, I, I realized I'm like, man, like we did this whole second part of the race in 25 and a half hours. Wow. Like that. Yeah. We, I mean that if you, if you look at the times of the previous or the other racers, like that is the top, uh, we were the fastest short course team. Um, and uh there's and their their family met us at the finish line it was really emotional um their I, well, kids. I, I don't know at that point i'm like an exposed nerve at that point like <laughs> when i'm done yeah. i'm like a weepy mess yeah. like i'm ready to fall apart with those races like that yeah. oh yeah definitely i i love that that joy of uh tearing up at the end when you know you've had a great experience and uh, I mean, their family is crossing the line with us. Um, we have this great picture that just symbolizes the joy of the journey that we had. Um, you know, Isaac's carrying his children. Uh, same thing with Josito. Uh, I have my arm in the air and James is smiling. And it's just, it was so, the perfect experience. So. If you think about it for a second, you step back. While this was a, a personally gratifying experience for you and James, the mm -hmm. fact that you, if you, if you run the tape back, the yeah. fact that you, the fact that you agreed to continue racing after mm -hmm. the, the, after the calamitous beginning to the race and being so challenged yeah. while mm -hmm. it's personally, personally uh, gratifying for you in the long run, think about the gift that you and James gave to Isaac and Josito's family. Yeah. Without, and, without and, you, the Aaron would not have had that moment. And that's, the, and that's a ripple in the pond 
that's going to reverberate. I mean, Aaron someday will be, will be a father himself, God willing, and he'll be mm-hmm. an adult and he'll be, and he will talk about the experience when he was a child of what his, what he yeah. saw his father do. And that was mm-hmm. only possible because of what you and James did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, personally for me, vice versa, you know, um, I, I personally don't have children, but uh, to uh, impact them and to ha- even have Aaron be receptive to um, saying the words, hi, nice to meet you in English uh, at the finish line um, was just uh yeah, that was just really special. Wonderfully touching so, moment. And now they have a new Uncle yeah. Richard and Uncle James in America. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, the cool thing about this is, uh, like, hey, I don't, do you want me to jump ahead a little bit? Or? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so um, uh, I didn't realize they had such an expansive club here. Um, so after speaking with uh, Issa, who is a, a female member of their club, and she spoke... Uh, a little bit better English. Um, she said, you know, they're, they're going to come back on Saturday for a sprint orienteering event. And so uh, she said, Isaacs and the, their family are, they're going to be in Acarunia. Um, we should all have lunch together. So uh, yesterday, um, I, James and I met them for lunch, the, the, their family again, and just kind of, uh, relished in the the journey that we had and we did a, a sprint orienteering event together <laughs> <laughs> wait you did a race yesterday yeah we we just walked it uh, because still. it was more yeah it was more like sightseeing and just you know the fun of orienteering on a map in a, sure, in a sure. city that you've never done before yeah map and how could you not do that right map and yeah, hand yeah. and walk around Wow, yeah, what, exactly. a, what, a, what a, an, an amazing and, and I, I want to be thoughtful about your, your time, Richard, because I know you're you're still in Spain and you've you've done your you've done your your laundry in your room and I can see it sitting oh, behind yeah, you. Yeah, hanging yeah, up. yeah, we should we should we should look a little bit on that. Yep, there's there's I've used basically everything in my room, <laughs> including including that telephone line here. Oh, that's to, pretty funny. Uh, hang, to hang my clothes. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell the hotel owners <laughs> that you put the the drying on the TV. That's a we'll, we'll keep that to ourselves. Um, <laughs> Well, that's so, a rainproof jacket. That's there you go. Perfect. So, so, so you're going to have to come home eventually. You have to get back here. Um, as we yep. begin to wrap up here, and, and mm-hmm. well, first off, did I leave anything out about the end of the race? I don't want to feel as if we give that short shrift. It, it sounds like it was a victory march in, and the, the finish line yeah. was what you wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah. It was exactly, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say what I wanted it to be. It just happened to be what it was, and I was thrilled with the experience. Um, I mean, it was an honor to race with James and it was also just a true joy and pleasure racing with Josito and Isaac. Uh, we've already spoken about, um, racing together in the future and, uh, I, I hope that comes true. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it's, it's one of those adventure racing experiences where, uh, it'll be with you for a lifetime. 